Thanks for joining us here at STSA Church Online. We're kicking off a new series today, but before I begin this particular series, I want to share a story about something that I did at the start of another sermon series several years ago, when I decided to get a little tricky with the congregation that was in attendance that day. Basically, what I did is I decided to do a little social experiment. I came to the church that morning, and before I started my sermon, I said, guys, I have a confession. I have something I want to get off my heart. My heart is heavy, and I need to share it and get it out in front of everyone. And I said, basically, I have this problem with money, and I hold on to money too tightly, and I found myself focusing more and more on money, which anyone who knows me knows that I'm you know, kind of a cheap person. So they said, okay, we can kind of see this. Maybe this is why he doesn't like to spend money. So anyway, so I went on this whole thing about how money has this grip over me, yada, yada, yada. And I said, in order to free myself from this, I decided to do something crazy this morning. I said, I came to church today with four $100 bills, four $100 bills. And what I did is I taped them on the bottom, each one on the bottom of a different chair that's here today in this church. And I said, this is my way of freeing myself from this, okay, and not caring about money. And then <laughs> what happened next? Okay, in my wildest dreams, I could not have imagined what took place next. And you could, you could probably picture the scene. I told the people, there are $400 bills on random chairs. And whoever's sitting in that chair, congratulations, you just won $100. And I'm telling you, as soon as I said that, wasn't 10 seconds later, 10 seconds later, you have people... Okay, as you can imagine, all over the place, underneath the floor, okay, or underneath the chairs, on the floor, looking up and trying to find, and maybe it's back here. People like in their Sunday best, okay, the dress and the shirt and the tie, whatever it is, and boom, there they are on the floor. Then you had other people climbing over them to try to get to the empty chairs. Oh no, there's an empty chair. What if it's under that one? And you had mass chaos. It was so funny. I pulled out my cell phone and I took a picture from the stage because it was just such a funny sight to see all these people on a Sunday morning. Now, obviously, there was no money there, okay? And I was doing it just to prove a point. And the point was this. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. In that situation, I told a lie, something that wasn't true. But the fact that whether it was true or not true didn't affect how people behaved. What affected the behavior was whether people believed it was true or not true. The reality wasn't important, as important as the perception. Once they believed the lie, their life was affected by it and the life of all those that were around them that day. With me so far? Okay, we're starting a new series here today called Marriage, Don't Believe the Lies. And the motivation behind it is very simple. The motivation is that I see today something very clear in front of my eyes. I see that today the devil is ruining people's lives, ruining homes with lies, that he's whispering lies in people's ear. And it's ruining not just their own life, but because we're talking specifically about marriage, their life, their spouse's life, if they have kids, their kids' lives, and potentially their kids' kids' lives and their kids' 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 lives as it goes from one generation to the other. I see a pattern, in other words. I see that problems are happening and the source of it comes back to a lie coming from the devil. And the reason why is because as Jesus told us in John chapter 8, verse 44, he said, when he, meaning Satan, when he, Satan, lies, he speaks his native language. He speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
So the devil, like, this is what he does. This is his MO. This is nothing new for him. He controls and manipulates and destroys through lies. That's what he did to Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? He came to her and he told her, did God really say, are you sure that if you eat that, you're going to get in trouble? Are you sure you're going to die? Did God really say, I don't think that's really the case. He whispered a lie. He did the same thing with Judas, who betrayed Christ. And he came to him and said, yeah, 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 you deserve better than this. Jesus isn't doing you right. Jesus isn't looking out for you. Why should you look out for him? Yeah, you deserve better. He whispered lies in the ears of those people on September 11, 2001, who got in airplanes and rammed those airplanes into buildings, killing thousands of people. He whispered to them a lie. If you do this and you kill innocent people, you will be rewarded beyond belief and you will have treasures and all kinds of good stuff after you die. Lie, lie, lie. And if you go down through history, go down through history, every atrocity committed by mankind comes down to a lie given to them by the devil. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter what you do to that race. That race is inferior to your race. So you can treat them how you want. They're not people. They're property. Do what you want with them. That's a lie. The lie that, you know what? No, those people, their beliefs are different than you. So you are justified. You're justified in how you treat them because you know what? They have the wrong beliefs. And because they're wrong beliefs, it's okay. You treat them how you want. He gives us the lie that, you know what? No, 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 no. It's not a baby. It's not a person. It's not a human being. No, no, it's just a, it's just a fetus. It's just a, 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 a thing. It's just, a, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter. Lie, 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 lie. The devil doesn't try to get us to act badly. He doesn't. He doesn't come and say, be bad. Do this sin. Do this evil. That's not what he does. He's much smarter than that. What he does is tell us to do good, be good. But then he'll lie to us and convince us that this thing is good when it truly isn't the case. And that's what I see today. I don't see people today committing bad. I don't see people today walking around saying, I want to be evil. What I see today very clearly is people viewing the evil as good. And being, that's based on a lie that the devil is giving them. So the goal of this series is very simple. My goal is very simple. My goal is to share with you, when I look across the landscape, I see the four most common lies. Okay, the goal of this series is to share the four most common lies that I believe the devil is using today to destroy you and your home and your marriage, be it current or future, and your kids and their future marriage and their next generation and the next generation. My message to you is what St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, when he said to the people in the church, I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, whenever a marriage issue arises, an issue in the home, the temptation is for us to think it's unique to us. That we're the only people, and our situation is the only time this has ever happened. And if anyone else had these circumstances, you know, they would see it the way I do. But no one else has ever gone through these circumstances or seen what I've seen. Truth of the matter is, that's a false statement. Okay, as Solomon said, okay, in, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. I promise you, I can sit here objectively. Okay, you're inside the storm. I can sit here outside the storm objectively. And I can look across the landscape and I can see patterns. I can see because I hear the same thing from this person. This per There's a pattern there. And the pattern is a lie that the devil feeds us and convinces us to act a certain way. It's just like I told you the story of the $100 bills. 
the lie that I fed the people, there's a $100 bill under your chair, the action became inevitable. On the floor, looking at the thing, and it's the same thing. When the devil convinces us of these four lies, then I promise you, subconsciously, without even realizing it, you will begin to act in ways. You'll begin to act in ways that you never thought that you would. John chapter 8, verse 32 tells us the solution to the problem. Jesus says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The solution to the lie is the truth. The solution is not to change the behavior. The solution is to, is to, is to listen to the truth and get rid of the lie. For example, let's say, like I said earlier, let's say someone is taught that those people, they're second-class citizens, okay, they're a lower form of life, treat them however it is you want to treat them, they're no different than the animals. Their skin color, their religious belief, whatever it is, those people are a lower class. And someone is taught to believe that. There's two ways to try to fix it. The wrong way, the hard way is to try to tell them, no, they're lower class, but you should still treat them nicely. They they're, don't deserve it, but you should still. That's the, the wrong way. The smarter way is to teach them that they are not lower class, is to change the lie, is to show them that, you know what, even though their skin doesn't look like yours, even though their beliefs aren't like yours, even though you may disagree with them about whatever it may be, that person is still deserves dignity. And that person is still made in the image and likeness of God, regardless of how they look on the outside. I'm not trying to change the behavior. I'm trying to change the mindset. I'm trying to change the belief. Because as I said earlier, that a lie believed as true will affect your life as if it were. And the quickest solution, as Jesus said, the long-term solution, I should say, not quickest, but the only real solution is not to work on the action, but to work on the belief. And if I change the belief and I get to the truth, the action will come natural. Now, just as a kind of side note here to all the singles who are watching this and thinking to themselves, uh, this has nothing to do with me and I'm going to just kind of tune out of this one. Let me tell you why that's a bad decision for you. I have come to the conclusion. I've come to the conclusion that there is no such thing as marriage problems. No such thing as marriage problems. They don't exist. Get rid of the word marriage problems. All there is, is people with problems who get married. That's the, the conclusion that I've come to. No such thing as marriage problems. Marriage didn't start your problems, okay? Your life didn't begin at your wedding day. If it began on your wedding day, then yeah, you can say our problems are caused by marriage. You, ma mar the wedding day is not the beginning. The wedding day is a continuation of the life that you've led to that point. So if you come in with problems and you come in with wrong mindsets and lies, then you are, are, are put, setting yourself up for lots of problems. Because right now, you are setting the foundation of your married life by the things that you believe and the things that you do. And I'll just give you an easy example to prove it, okay? The one who comes into marriage, faulty ideas, okay, lies. The one who comes into marriage thinking, it's going to be great to have a wife who can be like a maid for me. That's going to be great. Okay, if that's the part, you coming in with that, or the, or the lady who's coming in saying, it's going to be great to have a husband. He's going to solve all my problems. All my problems. Once they get married, he's going to solve all my problems. Or the, or, or the one who's coming in marriage saying, it's really going to be great to have in-laws. You can't wait. Okay, if that, if that is your mindset, if that is your thinking, you are in trouble, man. You are in trouble. Okay, and that's not marriage problems. That's a you problem that you believe the lie and you carry that problem into marriage. Because as I said earlier, a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. My hope in this series is that all of us, whether married or single, okay, can examine the preconceived, the ideas, the notions that are in our mind, okay, and we can address them with honesty. 
and we can expose the faulty thinking and see where the devil is feeding us lies, and we can, in place, insert the word of truth, which comes from, from, from God himself, the word of truth. And I promise you, I promise you that when you replace the lies with truth, you will see a transformation in your life. I promise you that when you replace the lies with truth, you will see a transformation in your life, in your marriage, in your home, with your children. Because you shall know the truth, as Jesus said, and the truth shall set you free. Okay, we good? Let's jump into our first lie. And the first lie that we're going to talk about this week, I can't tell you how often I hear this lie and it astonishes me that so many people can say the exact same words and each one, like I said, think it's unique to them. And so many people can say this particular one. And as soon as I say it, I'm telling you right up front that this problem, okay, this will affect the younger generation more than it will the older generation. I'll be very honest. This is not something that our parents ever said. And this is not something, to be honest, even that my generation said. This is like new to us. This is something that the younger generation, okay, not to blame it all on, on the millennials or social media, but let's just say it's probably social media's fault. Everything is social media's fault, right? This is a problem that didn't exist before, but does exist now. The lie that, that the devil is giving us is this. I married the wrong person. I married the wrong person. And as soon as I say that, a sigh of disbelief and absurdity comes from all the older generations, this unheard of idea, how ridiculous it is that people say this. Let's try to unpack this lie. Forget about marriage for a second. Let's say I buy a car. I buy a car and I, before I buy that car, I do my research, I test drive, I ask around and I do look around and I find this is the car that I want. And I love this car and I chose all the, the color and the features and the, you know, everything about it. And I love, love, love my car. And for the first three, four, five years, no problems with my car. Everything is running smooth. And then somehow at some point in time, I'm on a road trip and I'm driving across the country, long trip. And I start to notice some problems with the car. Maybe it starts to make some noise that I wasn't used to hearing or some smoke or, you know, the heat stops working or something like that. What should I do in that situation? I'm halfway across the country. Okay, I'm in like Oklahoma or Iowa and one of those places. And here I am in my car. And like I said, starting to have problems. What would you do? What should I do? Well, an intelligent person would say, okay, I, I need to fix the problem. I, I need to fix it. So if something needs to be tightened, I would tighten it. If I need to add water, add water. Like if it's like the flux capacitor needs more gigawatts or whatever it is, like whatever it may be. I'm not a car guy, but I'm saying whatever the problem is, you assess the problem and you fix it. Would anyone out there say, I quit? This car, I chose the wrong car. I chose the wrong car. And now I realize it after five years, I chose the wrong car. And I'm done with this car and I can no more. Would anyone in the right mind do that? Just all of a sudden say, I'm done with this car. It must be the wrong car. No, an intelligent person would think three thoughts. Number one, all cars have problems and it's inevitable at some point the car would have a problem. So the fact that the car has a problem doesn't mean it's the wrong car. Second thing an intelligent person would think would say, you know what? I probably caused the problem. I'm, 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 the car didn't come this way. So therefore I probably did something to cause it. Third thing an intelligent person would think, even if it is the wrong car or a broken car, I'm in the middle of the road. I'm in the middle of Iowa right now or Oklahoma, whatever I said earlier. Now's not the time to say I could like the best option for me is to figure out how to fix it 
and keep on going towards my destination. And you know what? That's how the world has always worked when it comes to marriage until recently. Recently, I'm talking about like the last 50, 100 years, something like that, we have become very consumeristic in everything in life and it's affected our marriage. Consumeristic meaning the customer is always right and, you know, obey your thirst and you do you and I do me and each one does them. And you know what? A, a full refund, money back guarantee, as long as you bring the receipt or whatever it is. We have placed an emphasis in our society, our culture. We place an emphasis on the individual's right to choose more than the individual's accountability for the choice they made. Let me say that one again because that's good stuff. We place more emphasis on my right to choose, my right to choose however I want, more than the accountability, my responsibility, my accountability for the choice that I already made. And that has led us, unfortunately, to a very self-centered, irresponsible, and sorry to say, immature, childish view and attitude towards marriage. And it's exemplified by this lie. Now, before I get too far into this, okay, anytime we talk about marriage, obviously, obviously you're smart enough to figure this out. Obviously, I'm speaking generalities. And obviously there are exceptions to everything. And I cannot speak to every single unique situation. And they're always, what we always like to do is we go to an extreme example and we say, but what about this? Or what about this extreme? So, so your whole thing is not true. Obviously, okay, goes without saying. Obviously, if your life is in danger, I'm not speaking to you. Or if you're, you know, your, your spouse has like another family in Utah somewhere or something like that. Obviously, those are extremes. And if that's, if that's your situation, today's message is not for you. Today's message is not for you. Obviously, you need to seek help and get help uh, however you can. But that's not usually, like, let's be honest. That's not usually the case with us. We use those extremes, but that's not usually the case. Usually what happens, that what's much more familiar to us is this. Is we meet someone, and he's cute, or she's cute, or he's funny, or she's got dimples, or whatever it may be, and we start to date them, and we flirt with them, and then we, you know, we're in love, and we just love, and we just, we fell in love with each other, and we feel like, you know what? I found the one. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. To, this is the right, I found the right person. I found the one, Mr. Right or Miss Right. And we get the invites ready for the wedding. We book the honeymoon and we go through the ceremony. We are ready to live happily ever after. And the reason that we believe that is because we believe that we're done now. We made the right choice. We chose the right person. Let me, let me ask you a question. How do you know when it's the right person? You who are married, what criteria did you use? Like, is there like a sign? Or that maybe they like had matching birthmarks or is it like they had the right blood type, like O positive? Like, how do you know it's the right person? Most people wouldn't articulate it this way. Like you, most people would just say, you just know, you just feel it. It's just, it feels right. But I think if I could, you know, kind of drill down a little bit, I think most people, what they're trying to say, it comes down to chemistry. We just click. We just, it works between us. Like she's the yin to my yang. He's the Romeo to my Juliet, the Mac to my cheese. Okay, it just, it just fits. It's just natural. We are, quote, soulmates. Well, <clears throat> back to the car example. It was the right car for you, 
And it was the dream car. And everything was the right car until there was problems. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't the right car anymore. And it's the same in marriage. He's the right person. She's the right person. And it feels that way and it's so right. Until a problem comes, then all of a sudden, chemistry starts to suffer. Sudden, all of a sudden, we don't click the way we used to. We don't agree on, we don't see the world the same way. He doesn't get me. She doesn't get me. We start to fight. We start to disagree. And it always happens at the same time, at the same time, that you start to feel like, oh, wait a minute, maybe it's not the right person. And how do I know? And the chemistry and the click, at the same time, all of a sudden, he's in the office. And all of a sudden, that girl starts to laugh at his jokes and starts to say, ha, 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 you're so funny. You're so witty. And you start to think, yeah, you know what? That's right. No one appreciates it. I am funny. And you start to get a little respect and it starts to feel good. And you start to say things like, yeah, I start to feel alive again. That's how I'm supposed to feel. No one treats me this way at home. Or she, all of a sudden, she's on the social media and all of a sudden someone comments on her post and she's like, yeah, that person gets me. He gets me. Like my, my Neanderthal husband doesn't get me. He's just a caveman. Just watch TV all day. But this person who I never met Okay, this is this, this egg-shaped icon or whatever it is, gets me. And they realize that, you know what? I am an intel. I do have things to offer. And I'm telling you, at that point in time, that's when the devil, just like he did with Eve, just like he did with Judas, just like he did with the 9-11 terrorists, just like he did with so many people, that's when the devil comes in and whispers in your ear. And he tells you something. He just says, shh, maybe you married the wrong person. Maybe you were wrong. Maybe they're not the right person. And then he starts to give you evidence. If they were the right person, you wouldn't feel the way you feel. If you were the right, if they were the right, if they were the right person, then they'd make you feel the way the Facebook guy makes you feel. But they don't. Look at the way the Facebook guy treats you. If she was the right person, then she'd get your humor, okay, just like the girl at the office. But clearly she doesn't. So clearly they're not the right person. And now all of a sudden, what the devil did is he shifted your focus. He shifted your focus from you. Like for me and my shortcomings and my problems, he shifted it from me and my responsibility and my accountability. He shifted it from me to them and they're the wrong person. Oh, and that's why we have all these problems because you know what? If she was the right person, then I wouldn't need to work on being patient because you know what? She wouldn't bother me so much. Or if he was the right person, then I wouldn't need to work on being respectful because he would not make any stupid decisions. So you know what? It's not me. It's not my shortcoming. It's not my failure. It's them. It's they're not the right person. If they were, none of these things would be a problem. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 is something that I see all the time. It says, there's a way that seems right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. My apologies to all the hopeless romantics out there. There is no such thing as the right person. It's a myth. There is no such thing as this magical person out there that if you somehow can find this magical person that you'll have no problems and everything will be good and everything will be clicking and it'll be chemistry forever. There's no such thing. In other words, there's no such thing as a soulmate. But instead, what I believe in is not a soulmate, but a soul mate. Said it this way. Soulmate versus soul mate. Meaning, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter who you marry, okay? I'm not telling you here that you just marry any idiot and you okay. I'm not telling you like that. Like there's wisdom, like even though there's no right person, there's for sure wrong, there's the wrong person, okay? And you and you have to godly counsel, okay? And, and, and trust in God and seek God and all those things, okay? I'm not saying none of that. But what I am saying is that marriages, 
is not about is not about magic. Marriages that work are about commitment. They're about hard work and they're about maturity. They're not about finding some magical person where there is no problems. Marianne is not my soulmate. Marianne, my wife, is my soul, meaning my only mate. She's the only one that I'm going to walk with hand in hand the rest of my life. She is my true BFF, my best friend forever. She's my life partner. She's the one that we're going to grow old with. We're going to raise kids, raise grandkids. Who knows how long gives us life? God gives us life. But that's the person that I have made a commitment. Not because she's magical or not because she's fairy tale, or not because she's perfect. Okay, she's not perfect and neither am I. But I love Marianne because I love Marianne. I don't love her because she's perfect. I don't love her because she's my soulmate. I love her because I choose to love her. It's a daily commitment that I make to refuse the lie of right person, wrong person, and to love my wife. And in case, in case you think that I am a unromantic jerk, okay, who just sees life so cynically, I finally, after years, I've been married almost 20 years now, I've been trying to convince my wife of this from the first day, and finally, just this past week, she came around to it, and she agreed with me, Marianne agreed with me, that there's no such thing as the right person, and I could not let this opportunity pass by, so I asked her to come here and share with us, so I could get it on video, her saying this, so here she is, she's going to come share with us her thoughts on the subject. Abuna's right. I was definitely that kid that dreamed about the right person or the one, as my friends and I called it growing up, and believed that that one was out there for me and was waiting for the one. And I have recently come to realize that that doesn't exist. There's no such thing as the one. I realized this just through the many ladies that come talk to me and tell me this very same thing. I married the wrong person. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy in my marriage. And I see they're on this path to destruction. And honestly, guys, it breaks my heart. Every single time, it breaks my heart. A couple years ago, I remember speaking to a friend who told me the same thing. I am not fulfilled in my marriage. There's this other man. I think he's the one that will make me happy. I want to go this way, not this way. And I told her, I remember very clearly, I said, okay, I'll support you, but just pray about it. Speak to your father of confession and ask God what his will is. And if this truly is God's will, if you completely hear God's voice and it's reiterated by your father of confession and he tells you, okay, this is the will of God for you, go for it. Because I know there's no better place to be than the will of God. Of course, that's not what God told her. God told her, go love your husband. And guys, over time, what I see, the more tiny choices we make to obey God and do his will and love our husbands, the more fulfilled we'll be in his will in the promised land. So sorry, there is no such thing as the one. Unfortunately, Abuna was right on this one. Sorry to all the romantics out there, but there is such a thing as being happier and more fulfilled than we ever thought possible, being in the will of God. Okay, now that we've identified the problem, now that we've identified the lie, Let's talk solution. The reason this lie is so dangerous is because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know what that means. That means once you put something in your head, this person is the wrong person, you will start to find reasons and evidence to support your theory. You'll start to find things that are wrong with them. Even though there's an equal number of things that are right and wrong, your eyes will start to focus on the things that are wrong, not the things that are right. 
That's why the solution to this problem is exactly the opposite of what most people do. Once you start to think to yourself, I married the wrong person. The way you combat that is you do the following, is you go all in to your marriage. You go all in to your marriage. This is the opposite of what we usually do, right? Usually when we start to think, oh no, I married the wrong person. Oh no, this might not last. Oh no, he's no good. Oh no, she's not the right one. Oh no, we start to pull away. And we start to go the opposite of all in and we start to separate. And you know what? Maybe we'll have a separate bank account just in case. Just a separate, just in case. And maybe, you know what? I won't share that password with so-and-so. Just in case, you never know. And maybe I won't share that secret. And maybe, you know what? Why do they need to know everything that I do on a Friday night? Why do they need to be with me everywhere I go? We start to pull away and the opposite of what we want ends up happening. We end up creating what we are trying to protect ourselves from. Research says that the successful couples, those who are the happiest, are those who hold nothing back. Those who are all in. No secret bank accounts. No secret uh, friendships. No hidden accounts or social media stuff that's password that you won't share. Those who have the most success are those who are willing to take the risk. And yes, it is risky to be open. And yes, it is risky to go all in. But that's the only way to find the reward of marriage. There's a, a Christian author who writes about marriage. Her name is Shanti Feldhan. And she says the following about this subject. <clears throat> she says, what is more foolish? Taking the risk to trust your spouse and risking the small likelihood that he or she will betray you or deciding that you're not going to fully trust them and risking the almost certain likelihood that it will build a wall between you and undermine your marriage. That's a great quote. Is that yes, it is risky. Okay, there is a small risk you take by opening yourself up. But not taking that risk almost guarantees failure. <clears throat> Several years ago, we were probably like five, six years into our marriage. I came to Marianne and I confessed something that I told myself I would never tell anyone else on this planet. Like something very embarrassing, something that nobody on the planet knew except my father of confession. And I said, you know what? This is just something just she doesn't need to know. Nobody needs to know. Just like the, I, I swore to myself I would never tell another soul about this. And I decided to tell Marianne. And I didn't tell her because she had heard or she started to be suspicious or she had an inkling. I, 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 there was no pressure on me whatsoever to do it. I just felt inside me. Okay, we were on a vacation, I remember, and we were just getting so close. And we were building our intimacy. I just felt, you know what? I don't even want one thing. I don't even want one thing between me and her. I want to be 100% open with her, and I want to share everything. So I told her this, and I'm telling you, the intimacy that that led to, it was risky, and it was scary, and it was a risk. But man, what they say is no risk, no reward. And I'm telling you, that confession that I made pushed us to new levels of height and intimacy with each other where since that time, okay, I discovered that again, for me, the best way to invest in my marriage is to go all in, to hold nothing back, no secrets, put myself entirely in her hand. And yes, it is risky and it is dangerous and it could come back to bite me, but I'm telling you, not doing it, not being open guarantees that there will be a distance between you and your spouse. That's why God said this in Genesis chapter two, verse 24 and 25. He said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked 
and the man and his wife were not ashamed. That's the goal. Okay, go all in, naked and not ashamed. Nothing, no secret, nothing hidden, nothing that like I'm holding back from the other person. Like I said, that's my mind, that's my thoughts, that's my wallet, that's my social media accounts. That's the goal, then that's the path to having a successful marriage. Now, with that, let's shift. Let's talk practical, okay? Let's say you started to hear this lie in your head and I married the wrong person, you're starting to have these doubts. What do I do? How do I go all in? I'm gonna give you three practical tips right here. And I'm telling you, this advice that I'm giving you is actually not from me. I'm actually going to share with you advice from other people, real people, it's gonna be anonymous obviously, who have shared about their marital problems and how they started to believe this lie and how they fought through it and how God got them through it. So you're not gonna hear from me. This is not my advice. I'm just gonna kind of put it all together here, but I'm gonna share with you their thoughts and their words. The first step that you need to take, the first thing you need to commit to doing today, and I want everyone to commit to this. If we're serious about not believing the lies, commit to doing the following first. Number one, eliminate the D word. Eliminate the D word. Look here, marriage is hard enough as it is. Marriage is hard enough. If you give yourself an out, if you give yourself a, a escape path, you're going to end up taking it at some point in time. The only way to find solution is as I'm saying is go all in and cut, close all the doors and say, you know what? We're not leaving here. We're going to make until we make this thing work. We're going to find it like the escape rooms. We're not escaping until we find a solution out of here. I want to show you something written by a husband who came close to the D word at some point in time and was thinking about it and how he worked through the situation. Okay. Look what it says. He says, everything changed when we decided to lock ourselves in this marriage and throw away the key. Even if only one person decides to change the commitment level at first, it is amazing how much things change when you stop saying the D word and instead decide that as much as depends on you, you are truly in it until death do you part. My wife started to refuse to listen when I would throw out the D word and pretty soon it was catching. We decided that since there was no eject seat, we had to work this out. Again, since there was no eject seat, we had to work this out. We had no other choice. It took a few years, but we are so happy today. We love being married. I wish everyone would realize the power of true commitment. And I'm telling you, this is not my opinion. This is this, this is, this is what I'm telling you what someone has shared, that the, the difference is incredible. It's game changing when you get rid of the eject seat, when you say, you know what, I'm in this car and I got to find a way to make it to my destination. This is the only car. I can't unbuy the car. This is the car I got. I got to figure out a way to fix it. Whether it's my part, the car's part, whatever it may be. Same thing in marriage. I promise you, if you do that, you will discover, I promise you, you will discover that the very actions you were taking to protect yourself were actually what was destroying your marriage. The very actions you are taking to protect yourself, self-preservation, make sure that I don't get hurt, is the very actions that ruined your marriage in the end. Number one, eliminate the D word. Number two, believe in your spouse. Believe in your spouse. Now I know this is hard at times. I know it feels everything in life is telling you, you married the wrong person. He's no good, she's no good, I get it. There's the pressure, social media, culture. You got probably friends. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you that the only way you can fix it is believing 
in your spouse. I tell this to couples all the time. And, I, and they always say, so you're telling me that's going to fix it? I'm not telling you that believing your spouse will fix it, but I'm guaranteeing you that not believing will destroy it. Say that again. I'm not telling you that believing in your spouse will fix all your problems, but I am guaranteeing you that if you choose to not believe, if you choose to say it is the wrong person, I'm guaranteeing you that you will fail. I'll give you another example. A couple that was married for probably about 15 years now, okay, roughly somewhere in there, has two kids. This couple, okay, several times, several times, almost divorced. Several times, almost called it quits. And this is the couple that, you know what, we tried so many things, okay, and we prayed, and we talked, and even like, we did like groups together, and, and I would go over there through whatever hour of the night, whatever it was, and we tried everything, and I'll be honest, we almost gave up. Almost gave up. The problem at the root of it, Okay, one of the problems, obviously there was many problems, but one of the problems was that she didn't believe in him. That she believed he was not the right person. And he had his faults. I'm not saying okay, he was innocent. But she didn't believe he was the right person. She believed she married the wrong person. And because of that decision, set her on a course. He's not spiritual enough. He's not a leader enough. Okay, he doesn't take initiative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then one day, she had a breakthrough. And she wrote about it, okay, in the form of a text message that she sent me. And I want to share a snippet of that. She says, while I was with my parents, I noticed how much my mom insults and puts down my dad. I feel so bad for him, but it made me realize that's what I used to do to blank. And that was her husband's name. It also made me realize how much a wife can build up her husband and how far a husband can go with that confidence. My mom always complained that my dad was not very ambitious. I think that's just because of her. God forbid he would ever try anything and fail. So he just didn't try even though I do not put down blank, my husband, anymore, since I saw this dynamic between my parents, I have made it a point to point out anything and everything he does and celebrate him. I even make my kids clap for him, which they hate because they're teenagers, but I want my kids to realize how great he is too. I am in disbelief that I was thinking about pulling the plug on something that was just about to get sweet. I can't tell you how fulfilled I am in my marriage. Wow. Talk about a transformation. That's a person who had every right to not believe in their spouse. And then their spouse didn't change. Their spouse didn't change. The spouse didn't become the right person overnight. But this person made a decision. I'm going to believe in them. And instead of telling them they're the wrong person, I'm going to believe in them to get them to be the right person. And I cut this message off. Okay. This person will tell, okay, in the rest of this text message, how happy she is in her marriage right now and how transformational Okay, this one decision has been. So number one, eliminate the D word. That word does not exist in our vocabulary, in our minds. We don't think it, we don't say it. We're done with that. Number two, believe in our spouse. Get rid of this lie, the, uh, the, the, the wrong person. Believe in our spouse. And then number three, trust in the power of the sacrament. Trust in the power of the sacrament. There's a difference. I hope you believe this. Okay, if you don't believe this, then I haven't done a good job as your priest. I hope you know there's a difference between a Christian marriage and a non-Christian marriage. I hope you know that there is power in the altar, that, that something sacred, something real happened on the day that you were married in front of the altar, at the hand of the priest, in front of that congregation. It wasn't just like a show. It wasn't just a ceremony. It was something mystical. It was something sacramental. 
and something really happened to you, even though you can't see a difference, something really happened to you. In the same way that every Sunday on that altar, okay, something really happens to that bread and we believe it. We believe, we believe, we believe that that bread is not bread, that it's body of Christ. We believe in the power of the baptism, the water of baptism, that it's new creation, that anyone who goes in those waters and comes out is a new creation in Christ. You have to believe that anyone who's joined at the hand of the priest in front of that altar under the hands of Almighty God, that a special power, sacrament, has taken place. And Jesus speaks about what that is in Matthew 19, verse 5 and 6. He says, a man, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting Moses in the book of Genesis. So then, he gives his explanation. So then, they are no longer two but one flesh. They are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Listen here, people. This is not my word. This is not my opinion. This is not, well, you know, I don't know if it's the right. No, 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 no. At that altar. Okay. And again, I said in the beginning, there's exceptions. So don't take this to the, like, don't take this to the extreme. The extremes are extremes, but you're not the extreme. Okay. The majority of people listening is you're not the extreme. And stop telling yourself that you're the extreme. You were united by the hand of the priest at the altar of almighty God. And therefore what God has joined together, not you should not separate, but you cannot separate. Okay, think of it. When, when we talk about two become one flesh, it's not like two pieces of bread, okay, that just has a piece of cheese on the inside. That's not what it is. You pull them apart. That's not what it is. Think of two pieces of construction paper that's super glued together. That's what marriage is, what God has joined together. And actually, to be honest, it's not just even two pieces of construction paper. It's three because it's a union between God, husband, and wife. That's what it is. So for me to say wrong person about my wife is to break a union, not just with me and my wife, not just to try to unsuperglue what God has superglued, but to unsuperglue what God has superglued to himself as well. Breaking a union between me and my wife and almighty God. You can't undo what God did. You can't unglue what God glued. Come on. The devil lies to you. When he tells you all those things, the truth is the two have become one flesh. And my challenge to you, my challenge to you is to go all into your marriage. Go all into your marriage. Stop believing the lie. No matter who it may be, right person, wrong person, the person that click or no click or chemistry, get rid of that stuff. Go all in and give God a chance to work. Eliminate the D word. Believe in your spouse and trust in the power of the sacrament. There's more power in the sacrament than we realize. It's not about some magical right person. That's Walt Disney, okay? And that's, that's fairy tales. The truth of the matter is marriages that work are about hard work and commitment and maturity and not being selfish and, and self-centered. Only when it comes to marriage. Marriage is the only area where I see people want something great but unwilling to put in the work to get there. Marriage is the only place, like anyone who wants to become a doctor, goes to medical school, knows this will be hard, fight through the hard thing, doesn't say, oh no, I chose the wrong, no, 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 you want to be a doctor, you fight through it, you get to it in the end. And those who say, I may have chosen the wrong thing or I'm in the wrong, those are the ones who aren't going to make it in the end, okay? Anyone who wants to be successful in any career, athlete, artist, musician, priest, whatever it may be, okay, like dream as big as you want to dream. Anyone who wants to be great in any area knows it takes hard work. You fight through obstacles. You don't do Disney, fairy tale, right person, magic. Why in marriage? Why in marriage? Do we do the opposite? Truth is, there is no such thing as the right person. The right person 
is the one that God united you with. That's the right person. And until you go all in, you'll never realize all that God wants to give you. Now, I want to close here with some advice. Again, not from me. I want to close with some advice from St. Paul. I want to go to one of the most famous chapters about marriage and love, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's the love chapter where St. Paul talks about love is kind and love is patient and love does not envy. And all the love is, love is, love is, the stuff that we like to post around and we like to put everywhere, the love is chapter. Well, I don't know if you ever noticed it, but at the end of that chapter, St. Paul closes with kind of a funny verse. Verse 11 says this, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Why does St. Paul in his chapter on love talk about how, you know, when I was a kid, I did kid things, immature things. But now that I'm a man, I got to put away those immature childish things. How does every fairy tale and kid story end? It ends with the guy, the hero, getting the girl and then living happily ever after. Because the childish view of life, the childish way to approach life, the way we teach, okay, the way fairy tales teach children, is that, you know what? As long as you get the right two people in the room, everything will work out just fine. <clears throat> well, I want to say this. If you're still believing that, it's time to grow up. It's time to put away the childish stuff. It's time to stop viewing life as a movie or life as a fairy tale where, like I said, there's some magical unicorn person out there who you'll never have any problems and you'll have this chemistry with. Get rid of that nonsense. The truth of the matter is marriage isn't about magic. It's about work and commitment. And I trust, and I hope you trust as well, that when we reject the lie of the right person, when we reject the lie that I married the wrong person, when we reject that lie and we put in the effort and we go all in, get rid of the D word, believe in our spouse and trust in the power of the sacrament, I trust that you will begin to see the beauty that God has in store for you in that marriage. But that's a beauty that the devil will fight tooth and nail, do everything he can to make sure that you never see. But my prayer is that through this series, we get rid of the lies, we stop believing the lies and we go all in to the truth. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because we know there's tremendous power in your word and in the power of the sacrament. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would feed us your truth, and that you would allow us to reject those lies, that we can begin to live free. As you said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Help us to live according to the truth. And especially those who are listening to this, who are struggling and, 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 and doubting and starting to be influenced by that lie. I pray you would free them, Lord, by your power. And I pray that you would allow them to see the beauty of what you have planned for them in their marriage. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for joining us here today. You can find us on any social media platform and feel free to share a message that inspires you with family and friends. 
If there's anything that we can do for you, please visit our website and let us know how we can help or how we can pray for you. If you aren't receiving our weekly email, please click the Stay Connected button on our website. Have a great day.